Hi, this is Dr. Kasia Kainz, and today we'll be mapping Epstein-Barr virus on the 15 minutes matrix. Welcome to the 15 minute matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Kasha Kynes. Dr. Kynes is a doctor of clinical nutrition and the CEO of Holistic Nutrition Naturally and EBV Educational Institute. She's a board-certified nutrition specialist, a certified nutritionist, and has her master's in clinical nutrition from Bastyr University. She's the author of the Amazon best-selling book, The Epstein-Barr Virus Solution, which you can find linked in the show notes. Kasha also trains practitioners in EBV through an online clinical track program. Kasha has been in clinical practice since 2005, providing individualized support to nearly 2,000 clients with EBV now being her main focus. After our time together today, you will certainly understand why. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix, Kasha. Good morning. So excited to talk with you. You have written an excellent book about Epstein-Barr virus, and we'll link to that in the show notes. And it's such an important topic for us to understand as it leads to many other downstream conditions, and its presence is associated with a number of autoimmune conditions, as I'm sure we'll discuss. But can you start us off today, Kasha, by telling us a little bit more about the virus itself? Well, the virus has been on the planet for about 1 million years, and it seems that it has mutated perhaps to become a problem. Mm. And globally, we look at uh, 90-95% of global population carrying it, and much of the time it doesn't doesn't cause any problem. You know, we're host to so many... so many microbes. Right. Many people will get mono or primary infection, maybe in infancy or childhood, it can be transmitted uh, during pregnancy. Um, it's impossible not to contract it. Uh, you can get it through transfusion because blood is not tested. But for most people, it doesn't cause problems. It's the small percentage of population where it just doesn't turn off or keeps turning on and becomes chronic. And certain qualities of the virus um, more than other viruses, uh, can lead to autoimmunity um, in different directions, can lead to um, oncogenic processes and definitely chronic fatigue. Mm. And, you know, the more I researched, the more blown away I was. At a certain time, I stopped researching and I had to, you know, I had to publish this book. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And there's something I want to go back to, Kasha. Mm -hmm. So you said 90 to 95% of the population Mm -hmm. carry it. I I think we can all run away with facts like we did with genetic polymorphisms like MTHFR. And, you know, a a large part of the population has it, and yet it's not necessarily expressed, but we hang so many hooks on it. So let's get into the specifics of like a self-limiting or acute 
exposure or condition with EBV versus a chronic? First of all, can you articulate those differences and also what happens to make an acute infection chronic in this instance? Acute infection, you know, like flu, you get flu, it comes and goes. And uh, we call it mono, mononucleosis. Rheumatic fever is what it's called in some other countries. And so it should be self-limiting theoretically. Um, but when it comes to mono, it's quite debilitating. And people often feel, you know, the expression that I hear all the time is, I feel like a truck ran me over. Mm. That's a big red flag. So it's a very bad flu that completely takes over to the point where college college students have to take a semester off right. and some people are bedridden and so on and so forth. So, so there is something in research called chronic monosyndrome, which means that that underlying infection starts going, starts going chronic. Basically it doesn't turn off or most of the time it turns on again. Um, so if you look at some research, they say, you know, you can spontaneously reactivate anytime. Um, there's nothing spontaneous about it, in my view, because when I look at research and factors that trigger right. reactivation and I look at my population of patients, like it's very predictable. Um, but basically, you have, you have a virus that um, infects your B cells, T cells as well, but B cells, B as in boy. Yes. So your, your, your basic um, immune cell. And then it manipulates the mechanisms by which the, the B cell lives. Um, and to the point where it immortalizes those B cells, they can't, they can't perform apoptosis and they cannot communicate to other immune cells externally that they're infected. Right. So you have these, these B cells that are factories for virons. And much of the time, if, if the person is healthier has has better stress management uh, is not uh, better uh, nutritional status um, the virus will live in those b cells in latent form means between reactivations and yes. not much not much is going on during that time but you have the whole machinery ready yes when when there are triggering events in a person's life which are many the lysing happens and the, the factory starts manufacturing the virus using the DNA of the B cells, converting into, uh, it into RNA, and the virus are spilled and get into the bloodstream. So if people want to know if their terrible symptoms that they're suffering from out of the blue are driven by EBV, they need to test immediately because you want to test the antibodies right where during the time when the virons are spilling and they're in the bloodstream. Right. So I want to back up a little bit and there's a number of things that you said that I want to kind of double click on here. And I just want to presence that, um, you know, in functional nutrition lab, we go deep into the function of the immune system. And what you're talking mm -hmm. about with the B cells here is the adaptive immune system. And so when we have the immune system that we've developed over time and it's misbehaving, all mm -hmm. sorts of havoc can happen. And that mm -hmm. is due to the presence of the virus. So one mm -hmm. thing I want to ask you, and again, there's a number of things that I want to go back to, but are there some things, if we think about antecedents that make 
certain people more susceptible to the chronic EBV versus being able to limit its um, activity? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Talking about the immune uh, immune cells, there's a lot of hypotheses. One of them is a CD8 plus T cell deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, any suppression in the immune system for right. any reason. So mm-hmm. um, immunosuppressive medications. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is that if you look at nutritional status of an individual, when the nutritional status starts dropping, viruses become more virulent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So B cells, yeah, B cells, T cells are one group of of cells that are attacked, but there's one more huge NF-kappa B, the inflammatory marker, that particular one is hijacked by by the virus. NF-kappa-B is so responsive to the dietary changes. Mm. So it's very easy fix, just, you know, very, very easy. There's there's so many studies on what can curb NF-kappa-B, just very simple, foods, herbs, anti-inflammatory spices. Um, But just one um, fast food joint meal uh, there was a study, it increased uh, NF-kappa-B uh, by 150% within the first one hour or two. So just being mindful of that, it's it's a huge impact on the virus. So that if we move then to that realm of triggers in the story mm-hmm. section of the arena, mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, there's the exposure, which we can kind of think of as a given, like the it's exposure might be a given. But then yes. we have low nutritional status, we yes. have immune suppression, likely even yes. immune dysfunction, if there's yes. already the presence of some yes. um, autoimmune factors. What else might serve as a trigger that leads to that uh, that proliferation of the virus? I mean, I'm assuming Absolutely. stress and what yes. other yeah factors. So yeah, I'm gonna go over all of that. So let's let's jump in. Um, the first one is chemical exposure. Mm. Um, we and I think studies have not caught up with a variety of toxins and some of them man-made. But there are studies that um, are very clear. Cigarette smoke is one of them that can literally reactivate EBV. Dioxins are very well studied. Dioxins are very interesting and very relevant. And then diesel exhaust. In terms of dioxins, um, we don't appreciate that we can get them from any burning debris. So if people have wood burning fires, if there are, you know, we experience um, a lot of forest burning in, in uh, yes, British Columbia, and Washington, mm-hmm. yes, in uh, California. And, um, and also fireworks, uh, I realize that fireworks uh, also contain dioxins and these stay in the air for another 10 days or so uh, according to one study so when i realized that last summer i actually sent a lot of messages facebook lives just alerting people in my community and different communities like listen do not watch the fireworks in open air if you have chronic ebv um because of this and also be mindful if the if the forests are burning you may reactivate and I, ha- I have mm. to tell you, I got so much response with people saying, now I understand what happened that five days ago, I started to really spiral again and I didn't know what it was. Mm. It's very empowering because, yes. um, because uh, dioxin is, in, in a lot of uh, situations, it's a very practical thing to know. So 
I find that um, environmental triggers are huge and we just, you know, the research has not caught up. Uh, but with the same, uh, being in the same direction, one of the bigger environmental triggers that is underappreciated, you, pr you probably appreciated, is electromagnetic exposure. Yes. There mm -hmm. was a very obsolete study from 1990s that looked at the very conservative uh, exposure um, and triggering early antigen reactivation. And that was that was uh, equivalent to a stationary computer, not Wi-Fi. That was before Wi-Fi. And, and then there was a study on mercury exposure. It was mimicking what a person would have in the mouth sitting at the computer by... Um, by Wi-Fi, the exposure to electromagnetic field was triggering the release uh, of vapors, I think, from mercury. And then I found some studies saying that mercury in particular has affinity uh, for viruses. Wow. And so there's that loop between, you know, how susceptible we are, how many fillings you have in your mouth, and then right. how much time you spend, how close to electromagnetic field routers uh, exposure you, you are. Um, but we're stewing in it now. Kasha, your book is so, there's so much information and there's mm -hmm. a few other things I know I want to touch on. So I just mm -hmm. want to think into like quickly, if we were to fill the triggers arena, there's so much you're talking about. There's mm -hmm. the immunosuppression, there's mm -hmm. the EMFs, there mm -hmm. are the toxins, particularly mm -hmm. heavy metals, nutritional mm -hmm. status, other environmental toxins. I'm assuming mm -hmm. stress and hormone issues. And also, like we said, co-infections and other autoimmune conditions. All of these. All, all of these of are big. Mm -hmm. So where do we go? What are we looking for with testing? Testing is tricky. I have a whole page on the website, ebvhelp.com, uh, explaining different variations of scenarios with tests. They're not 100%, you know, perfect in terms of a human being um, and how to work with a person. So look at a person and the timeline and the story <laughs> and the matrix, of course. and then look at the lab. Because with the lab, um, the most important one, most people will have VCA IgG elevated and NA IgG elevated. These are for life, and it's a good thing. You know, we've had exposure and so on and so forth. If it's triple digits or more than 600, for example, it could be 5,000. So that's if it's more than the range when they assign a number, it's, it's a problem. But... That may not mean that you're sick. You always will have the virus. You can't, you can't eradicate it completely. It's always going to be there. It doesn't mean it's going to kill you or do damage. But the, the, the point of testing is to test when you're really sick because the early antigen, EA, that's the one that you want to have flagged positive. You will know that you are reactivated right now. Right. If, your, if your VCA IgM is positive, it's probably your first run. Yes. Yeah. Let's just move into mediators. It's, you mm -hmm. know, I think of the mediators as part of the story. It's what we do to help ourselves feel better or 
reactivate things and you spoke into it so beautifully with the fireworks and the forest fires, because the more that patients know about their or our mediators, the more in control we are. It's such a relief to know, oh, that's what's going on. And of course, the skills, the mediators relate directly to the right side of the matrix. What do we do day in and day out? So what can be done without giving too much away from your book, because it's so comprehensive, but that might be a non-negotiable for us to be thinking about with our clients or patients. What would fall into the, this is a non-negotiable? I would say the biggest number one, always in research and in my practice is stress. Mm. And it is environmental stress, emotional stress, spiritual stress, not having a voice, uh, bad relationships, too many changes being depleted, uh, inflammatory stress, but emotional, personal stress, losses, personal losses, huge. That is the tipping point. That's that's a given. And with that comes sleep. That's yes. right there. You don't sleep, you have stress, and the whole pattern repeats. And people often wake up in the middle of the night. Yes. They can't go to sleep. That's a big, a huge chapter on that. So just learning how to how to work with glucose and sugar yes. and brain chemistry and, and dinners and, you know, just ha- the glucose regulation, adrenal, adrenal support, huge. Yeah, it's I always powerful. say, Kasha, yeah. if you're not sleeping, pooping, and your blood sugar is dysregulated, you can't oh, go right. any further. Those no, are non-negotiables, right? Non-negotiable. Two poops a day, absolutely. <laughs> so we need roughage. We need roughage. Yes. And the diet that is more sustainable I hate to call it a diet, but really, I would steer clinicians away from relying excessively on autoimmune paleo or yes. high high fat, ketogenic. Yes, you know, too restrictive. Really, they start to induce their own deficiencies, oh, right? Yes, yes, yes. We really need roughage. We we really need antioxidants, and we really need fruits and vegetables and fruits. And the the my clinical concern is. We created a fruitophobic clinical community, yes, and that backfires constantly. So the fruits shouldn't be restricted unless they actually have to be for any reason periodically. But they give us the most for the buck in terms of the antioxidant amount and quality. And antioxidants fight the virus. The higher your antioxidant status, the, the, the more normal you will be. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Kasha. I think it's um, it's important that we understand that when we're looking at dietary protocols, that they are not meant to be long-term. And I think we've run away with this in our cultural promotion of these restrictive diets, that people are doing them for long periods of time. And again, what Kasha and I are talking about is the fact that these restricted diets start to induce their own deficiencies. But as you said really well, they should be used if necessary periodically. So I think that that's a point to stress. Any final non-negotiable before we let you go and all go get your book into our hands? Non-negotiables, I think on a deeper level and hear me on this is spirituality and joy. I have a last chapter is on joy. My mentor actually contributed because as a, as especially for women, you need to have your voice and you need to follow your heart. You need to have space and time to nourish your soul, your spirit, grow it, and do the things that you were called to do on this planet. We all have that beautiful 
task and love inside when you're so sick you don't think about it but women stretch too much and over stretch to help others and sometimes EBD is a great teacher because you really have to slow down respect the physicality limitations of your body but then you won't heal unless you address the things missing in your in your life in terms of joy you know simple things to to bring you joy i think that's really really important kindred spirit kasha love it you couldn't have you couldn't have ended on a better note thank you so much You're for joining us and for your really powerful work i will okay, make sure we link to the book in the show notes as well as your website so people can look more into the testing such an important topic to explore thank you again you're welcome and keep up the wonderful work you're doing for all of us thank you The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes my son, Gilbert Nakayama, on sound production, Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Once you let us know you'd like to know about the new episodes, we'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a super short reminder that a new episode is ready and waiting for you. Plus, we do want to hear from you. You have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. That's ask at 15 minutematrix.com.